Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman. And on the other line, getting invited to the Affleck's house for some drunken backyard bourbon wheelbarrow, it's Hunter Heilman. Cuck me gently with a chainsaw. Uh, welcome, Hunter. Uh, this week, we are discussing um, Deep Water, which is a new erotic thriller starring Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas. And I, I have a good feeling about this episode. You know, I feel like this podcast is at its best when we're kind of discussing silly movies. And this is a very, this very is silly... high cinema. What are you talking about? <laughs> This is a very, very silly movie with two very famous people in it, and that's kind of a, a, a sweet spot for success on this show. So I'm I'm hoping for great things. Um, I sh- suppose I should give a, a synopsis for those who, who haven't been following the... They know. If you've been listening, you know, but just yeah. in, in case this is your first episode, for, first of all, incredible episode for you just to jump in on. Um, but if you aren't aware of Deep Water, it basically stars Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas as a couple in an open marriage that essentially allows the Ana de Armas character to flirt and screw and just be around town with whoever she wants and that even goes as far as to inviting them over for dinner or inviting them to lavish parties. And Ben Affleck's uh, role in the marriage seems to be just to glower in the corner as if he dropped his Dunkin' Donuts. But that glowering turns to maybe a larger suspicion slash elephant in the room when various lovers of Ana de Armas began uh, dropping like flies and there's this running question through the movie of does Ben Affleck's character maybe have something more sinister up his sleeve so I first want to toss to you Hunter just general thoughts what did what did you think of this movie that I, I think we've been kind of salivating over ever since the early days of the pandemic when we found out that Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas were dating they're not anymore Benefer's back, but at the time that they were dating, we were like, oh my gosh, there's going to be an erotic thriller with both of them that they met on the set of. And now it's here. And what were your thoughts? Uh, This movie is kind of wild. It's wild. (laughs) It's pretty wild. Um, It's very much so. I mean, it's that kind of. I mean, it should be worth noting, like, this is director Adrian Wine's first movie in 20 years. Um, yes. Has been very, very well known uh, to kind of be a, a pioneer and kind of the perfecter of the Hollywood erotic thriller. Yes. Um, for good and bad, there's been ups and downs. And um, it's something we don't see that much anymore. This is a very rare type of movie that for whatever purposes whether it's a movie whether it's a movie that's kind of explicitly about sex or just a movie with sex in it it's something we don't get to see that much from major studios anymore particularly that of a disney studio i mean granted this originally was supposed to be an actual theatrical release but you know it's the age of hulu and whatnot but on one hand there is a twinge of kind of like 
disappointment a little bit, just a little bit of like 20 years. And, you know, we get a, a, a movie that is both wild, but also has some pretty like major flaws, but also just kind of like a general sense of what? Yes. Yes. Like, I would, just... I would say this is, this is a movie that I do not think is very good at all, but I think, with the right mindset can be enjoyable in, in stretches. And and I would say I, I had a similar reaction to you of as soon as it was over was just kind of like, I was expecting a ridiculous time and, um yeah. you know, like a couple of the, the Adrian line erotic thrillers and, 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 and this is generally like this genre as just sort of like fun, throw back a cocktail, and and have a wild ride and the movie doesn't need to be great yeah. but it can be just sort of like fun and sexy and ridiculous and i would say this movie was more just sort of like a lot of very strange choices that i think are mostly down to the script that we will talk about yeah. that just at the very end i was just kind of like what what like what was that what was that yeah. a movie i don't think that was very good but i'm a little like fascinated to talk with that uh, about that with hunter because i'm i have like four pages worth of questions at the end of watching it but also at the same time again i'm returning to this idea that we do not get this type of movie very often so even Mm -hmm. nowadays when it is something that like is objectively kind of mid at you know just kind of right there it feels like something new. It feels like something fun and fresh, despite the fact that it is something we've seen before. Well, actually, you know what? I'm going to argue it's not something we've seen before, but it is not something that necessarily um, always justifies itself and justifies its uh, justifies its its storytelling choices. Um, but also at the same time, it's like this is a pretty big esteemed cast even outside of uh yeah. outside of ben affleck and Ana de armas and they just get to have fun doing stupid silly over the top weird twisty shit and on one hand there was a part of me when i was watching it i was like this has gone girl vibes and then i realized then i like started researching because i didn't know this was based on a patricia highsmith novel i love yeah. patricia highsmith who, who wrote uh talented mr ripley which yep. has been turned into a, a mm-hmm. great movie with Matt Damon. He, she's done a, a lot of great stuff. Didn't know this was one of hers. Um, but I looked it up afterwards and turns out um, Deepwater is one of Gillian Flynn's favorite books. So it oh. makes perfect sense why it, it gives off that vibe. But I also read the um, the plot to the book Deepwater and it is very different, particularly come its finale to where um it feels like it would have worked more that way but also at the same time it would have lost a lot of that campy goodness because there's a point i think i would have i kind of want to go back and rewatch this from the beginning taking it in the way that i got the final act where i finally really realized oh this is absolutely next level like looking camp right in the eye, Carly Kloss at the Met Gala type of like shit where I was like, okay, they're like going for it and hitting hard at it. And they're not trying to like 
make something very serious out of this because the first half it feels as if they might be trying to take things seriously but there just comes too many like second and third act twists where you're just kind of like oh i see what they're doing they're fucking with us but also i don't know if the screenplay is smart enough to fully justify the they're fucking with us angle either I think it, it kind of felt like a movie like a, a few times watching it I was like is my screener broken um because it does feel like a movie where there's like scenes missing weirdly and and like it, bits of where when it jumps ends. from one moment yeah it, it has this kind of very abrupt sort of shrug ending um you know let's let's maybe take a step back and then we can kind of yeah. move into to more of the details and more of what works and and doesn't work um i i agree with you with let's let's talk about adrian line a little bit and and i i like the point you were getting at with sort of like um us not there's there's not sex in our movies anymore which i feel like is something i've mentioned sort of on this this podcast anymore and adrian line is one of the the maybe like central figures of sort of giving that to audiences and i do kind of wonder whether I think I, I we attempted to record this podcast last night and had some tech issues, but I, I brought up to you like I'm curious if this movie is going to have a similar reception to something like Marry Me, which recently came out, and and like it seems like the reception to Marry Me from kind of the general public was like, oh, I miss this kind of this kind of movie, this like big kind of glossy mainstream rom com with two really famous people in it. And Hollywood doesn't make that movie anymore. And even though this is a not very good version of this, kind of giving it a little bit of like, well, at least I'm 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 enjoying at least like somewhat getting that pleasure back. Now I wonder if there's gonna be people who have that relationship to this movie, even though I would not say this is a a particularly successful erotic thriller. And I think even compared to Adrian Lyons other movies it's oh, yeah. it's 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 weak sauce for him as well i mean th- this is the same guy who made like fatal attraction and unfaithful yeah um probably like the two what would you say those are probably the two most famous of his movies i guess there's flash dance too but that doesn't really totally fit into the erotic thriller genre yeah that's not really like the what i mean he did the the lolita remake which was fine i guess oh, that's but lolita true. is kind of like there's a way you could of, spin it into an erotic thriller. that's a cl- yeah i mean like that's kind of classic material of like oh yeah like lolita i see mm-hmm. um and same with uh same with something like indecent proposal but indecent proposal is um not good <laughs> um like at all uh nine and a half weeks is all right too that's a very sexy movie uh with uh kim basinger and uh mickey rourke right before mickey rourke like did uh, all that stuff to his face yes yeah i'm not 100 percent sure i haven't seen that, that was one. mean I, that was uncalled for <laughs> actually sorry mickey rourke um but yeah and it's, it's you know what this movie feels like the type of movie that it, it coming out in march feels correct yes however there's a part of me that kind of wishes it was coming out in theaters because it feels like that type of movie where you see it at the most nondescript regal that you can find 
and you sit in the dingy lobby with your friends after the movie and talk about it. You might not, you probably all don't like it. You probably don't love it, but it's that kind of like middle, middle of the road movie with movie stars that comes in between all of the blockbusters and stuff that you just kind of go see on a Friday night because you don't have anything else to do. Yes, and that's just, that's that's kind of a perfect. It does feel like a relic from a different time when like yeah. every movie didn't need to be like a huge event yeah. and it was just sort of like well, I guess like it like a programmer basically. Yeah. And watching it alone on Hulu, I was just sort of like once it was over, I was just like, "Oh. Like I don't get to like like did y'all see that shit?" Like I just I miss that there's like an experience that comes with that sort of reaction to a movie like this where it is very polarizing because on one hand I I I really can defend this movie quite a bit because I had a lot of fun. Was it intentional? I don't really know. I don't think so. But like I had fun with it. But also at the same time there was this sort of expectation that came from a return from Adrian Lyne and this kind of like and perhaps maybe that's on us for a expecting that and b kind of putting forth this like expectation from Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas because we all sort of latched onto that romance so quickly into COVID because it was kind of the first like like it, it was, it was kind, kind of, of a, the it was fun very, trashy celebrity gossip yeah. thing for us and to it was sort kind of, of like the first celebrity gossip thing to happen during COVID that right. felt of that era. Um, and and, and then, seemed to get increasingly more outlandish yeah. to like you know the yeah. the uh, hilarious photograph of like yeah. Casey Affleck at Ben Affleck's house putting the cardboard uh, cutout of Anna de Armas I mean, in the trash can history. like like this movie is history. maybe a disappointment in that like there is nothing in this movie that reaches like that level that of level hilarity. Yeah. I mean yeah, and I mean you also have to remember like this was coming off of. This was coming off of Ana de Armas in Knives Out. Yes. So it, she it, was kind of the biggest thing in the world. This was also And we knew when, the Marilyn Monroe movie was sort of like in, like, like was done yeah. and kind of like the runway was out. And, so, and she also, at that point, had Bond coming too. That's which true, we, yeah. Like at that point, I think it had been delayed at that point, but it was like in full press mode by that point by that point that it got canceled or got delayed yeah we were all waiting for her to kind of have like her big year of like Mm -hmm. oh oh shoot she is like now doing it like like kind of what jennifer lawrence had in like 2012 or what what whatnot of just like all right our next big movie star Mm -hmm. has arrived and she's in like three or four big movies this year but i still think she delivers in this though because i think there is this very um kind of light and this light energy with her that really suits a character like this where she's doing objectively kind of awful things and yet there is this like doe-eyed like soft-spoken quality about her that you're always just like oh you come back to her and it makes it kind of a little bit more understandable as to why Ben Affleck is putting up with the shit that he puts up with in this movie. Cause it does get comical of like, Oh my God, just leave her ass. That, but that's maybe where I'm t- going to disagree, but all, but kind really? of agreeing with you or no, no, no. I of disagreeing in like, I don't, I don't think there's any shred of this movie where I, where I buy that he's staying with her. That's, that's where I was going. But of like, I, I will say she is, 
like playing to the back of the rafters. She's like... chewing. <laughs> she is chewing yes. the New Orleans old plantation house scenery. She like, she she, she is like ripping all of her teeth. a whole leg off of that like rib roast and is just like that gnawing. buffet in the bathroom. <laughs> yes. Like I mean it's I mean she is not subtle here. And the way that she's been she has delivered other subtle performances in Blade Runner and Knives Out. Like this is something like she, I feel like she's having fun with this, though I'm sure, not yeah. 100% sure that everyone around her knows that she is delivering that when I think other people in this are delivering a little bit more like straight faced. And I think it's, it's a weirdly of, calibrated group of performances. Yeah. Oh, it, this is a weird cast. It's huge. It's a stacked cast, but also which, which what? We'll, we'll get, we'll get into it with like the collection of people like makes no sense, but no. we'll get to that later. It gives very much. So um, like, like a like a high school textbook of like we have to like really force this idea that all of these people are all friends and it's all like super diverse and out there and like oh yeah we have this and this and this and it's like yeah but also at the same time i just don't buy i don't buy it i don't buy the world that this takes place in it's beautiful it's stylish it is sexy but also I don't buy the fact that any of these people would ever fucking hang out in real life. I don't know if I even 100% buy the fact that Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas are, like, really a couple in this. No. I, bought it mo- I bought it more in real life than I think I bought it in this movie. Yes, I, w- I would say my two kind of biggest problems with the movie. I-, I think my biggest problem is, I think for a movie like this to work, you you sort of have to buy the sex at the center of it like there's not a ton of it it's a sexy it's sexy in its feel right but it's it and it, like it's sexy people it's a sexy vibe it's got a sexy soundtrack and i wouldn't say it's a good soundtrack but it's a sexy soundtrack but there isn't actually that much sex in this yeah i think what i was more like i, I need to feel that tension like like the the pull of this kind of movie is the idea of like sex with x person is so good and is so like irresistible that like you will go to the razor's edge and go into the danger zone basically to have it um and i need to buy that in between between the the two people at the center or at least one of them you know i think i think comparing this to other adrian line movies um, you know, like something like Fatal Attraction, like Fatal Attraction has some kind of like silly over the top places it goes. But I think what makes that movie great is... But you know Glenn is... Close is throwing good pussy in that. You know that <laughs> she's like, that's the thing. It's like you buy it. Yeah, you. I totally buy that she is just irresistible to Michael Douglas. And, and you know, the great kind of pop psychology of that movie is like, yeah. you know men and women viewing it differently of like you know a a lot of female audience members who saw that when it came out in the late 80s being like no this is tragic like this guy basically uses her and then she's like she feels abused by this guy because he basically just like sleeps with her one night and then treats her like trash and she like really liked him and is now getting her revenge um, and so you, you, even though that movie goes to kind of over the top places, 
the psychology of both of those characters and the way that they could find themselves in that situation makes a hundred percent sense. Um, and even something like Unfaithful, I mean, Unfaithful is a movie that gets really, really silly in like its last yeah. third. But like, I I love the Diane Lane performance in that movie so much, and I think like the key to it is like you you totally buy through her performance that the sex with whatever that like w- weird french guy who like collects books oh oliver or martinez like the real sexy <laughs> the sexy french like a, like model person that who, doesn't like, exist no in the world business, like no business being in this world yeah i have a loft in soho but i just sort of like collect books and sell them yeah. every now and then and like absolutely like is like whispering sweet nothings in diane lane's ear and like it's one of those things where you're like i get it i mean richard Gere is also very attractive but jesus christ this man is steamy yeah and, and you just i mean i'm thinking of there's like the scene where after she first sleeps with him where she's riding back home on the train and she's like reminiscing on it and she's like getting excited by just sort of thinking about it all over again and even starts kind of like tearing up a little bit in excitement and kind of like fanning herself a little bit and just that you understand so much of the like irresistible attraction of like through diane lane's performance and and how giddy and lustful she feels in in that whole movie essentially Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and I mean, it definitely, there's definitely, like, a level of elevation, I think, with her performance and that, that kind of, even though that movie is silly in a similar way that I think this is, I think she goes so above and beyond, mm-hmm. like, what is being asked of her, and even though I do enjoy some performances in this, particularly I enjoy Ana de Armas's performance, it doesn't have that level of, like, okay, she's, like, here to work. It's just kind of like, I feel like everyone... Everyone here is just having a very good time in New Orleans, shooting a movie, not knowing what COVID is. And uh, I don't know. It just sort of. Yeah, I mean, I never I mean, I I bought Diane Lane and Richard Gere as much as I bought her and Oliver Martinez, or at least I bought the the temptation she had. Yeah. And I, and I think really... you buy that, like, there, even though Richard Gere is like a very objectionably handsome man like there is something about him in the beginning of that movie where you're like i mean i get it Diane Lane. he's he's kind of boring and yeah. you buy that she is in this like i feel trapped out in the suburbs yeah. and then she goes to the city and here's like you know the, the wind is blowing her into yeah. the, the life of this french man um but here like I think for this movie to really work for me and it's weird, right? Because like, we know they actually wound up dating. So there is a kind of like meta read that I feel like a lot, a lot of people are going to view into this of like, Mm -hmm. where, where does the real, where does the fictional couple end and the real couple begin? Um, But there there's, I just never bought why the Ben Affleck character who we have to get into in a minute because that character doesn't even make sense to me. There's so many like weird little details about that character that I'm no. like, this this feels like you just were like picking random things out of a yeah. straw hat or something and, as and like, character get, traits. And I totally understand the idea that everyone wants to fuck on a diarmas. Trust me, I get that fully. But what I don't necessarily understand with this is the fact, oh, or I just don't understand the dynamic between 
her and Ben Affleck. And I think in a book like what Patricia Highsmith wrote, I feel like with the right casting and with the right adaption or adaptation of the source material, whether you want to keep it back in the 50s when it was written or update it, there is this sort of like, there's this unbelievability to the to the to the couple here where they're i'm just like i don't believe that you are as sexless as you are and i don't believe that you would necessarily put up with the shit that you're being put through if you were a little bit more if he was a bit more pathetic in this like if he was played by an actor who didn't have that kind of like kind of almost intimidating but charming toughness that ben affleck has Mm -hmm. i could maybe understand the um I could understand the how how of, much this like woman has her wrapped around yeah. her. I could understand has him if it was like finger. a real like oh wow how did he score her? You get that yes. a little bit, but like there's you're still like those are two sexy people. If he was a little bit more sexless, if it was a different actor, like along the lines of like you know to someone a little bit more like waifish and you know meek where you're like yeah how the fuck did he swing this cuban beauty to where like i believe that he would put up with that to keep her Mm -hmm. i don't believe that in here because i feel like he is so likable and affable and kind of like loved by everyone where it's kind of like i don't think that that's I don't think that is a desperate ploy to keep your wife in the same way that it would if it was like a really different level of like of I I guess for lack of a better term attractiveness of like you're marrying this sex pot and you're just this kind of like weird little man and he's not a weird little man he's Ben Affleck and I don't I don't always buy that. Yeah, he always seems more just sort of annoyed with her in this movie yeah. than kind of like it's like, like bitch, e- you signed up for it. <laughs> it's 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 not even like like even wanted a little bit more of that kind of like searing jealousy underneath. Like that that is something to even kind of get back to unfaithful that like you kind of buy with you know in terms of like buying the psychology of these characters in these movies. Like you buy that with Richard Gere in which which sort of like helps you go with some of the sillier directions that movie goes in in its last third but here there there's just a way of like Affleck and Ana de Armas's reactions in this movie where she is like drunken and just flaunting these men around and like standing up on tables and breaking it down and stuff yeah if you're gonna have an open relationship and like everyone already knows you might as well admit it to people or worse comes to worse just be bisexual get in on it bitch grow up (laughs) But, like, he, it always feels like he's treating her kind of like a parent would just treat their, like, she's so their train wreck child who, like, will not leave the house and just, like, comes home drunk every night. And there's not the kind of, there doesn't seem to be anything. And she seems, like, totally bored with him. Like, that's that's where that character is coming in. I don't get why either of them are putting up with this situation because it seems like a lose lose to everyone involved it's not like it's because i mean like that's the thing open relationships can work for certain people and there can be this like i don't know this kind of understanding of like i can see i can see where this couple decided this would be the best or like i can see how maybe at first that was like a good decision but now ben affleck's kind of walking it back a little bit in his mind but there's never a point in this where i'm like how did 
any of you guys decide on this right because she i mean i i love that you brought that up about her too because that is the other missing piece of this of you know throughout most of the movie except for like a, a couple scenes where ben affleck kind of uh is randomly outgoing enough that she thinks like oh okay now he's reaching my level she just seems like she's not happy in that situation and like doesn't want to take care of their daughter and doesn't want to like sleep in the same bed as him and it's so like the it daughter becomes is the one thing that i would be like that's what's keeping you around it's like she doesn't even fucking like her right it's like i don't she understand why she girl. walks out and i don't understand why he is putting up with her dragging all of these men in and out of their house at night and so the whole thing just sort of ultimately falls apart for me of i i i just cannot buy the the attraction between these people that would put them in the sort of outlandish scenario that this movie puts them in yeah and it it really does like it doesn't even come down to concept as much as it does just kind of like the overall like how it comes together and mm -hmm. how um I guess just how how the screenplay treats these characters because the screenplay is weird yeah we should mention screenplay um if if you're if you're wondering wow who who allowed this to be super wild and inconsistent and weirdly over the top and doesn't make any sense with like human reality i guess we should mention that the screenplay is penned by sam levinson and yes. that everything everything begins sam, to make sam a little levinson bit sense. and zach helm who is probably um I don't, I don't, not that well known of a writer, but he wrote um, Mr. Magorium's Wonder Emporium and Stranger Than Fiction, which is uh, a really bad Will Ferrell movie. Um, it's not good. I remember seeing that in theaters, and I remember like my mom halfway through being like, "This isn't very good," and I was like, "We should stick it out." Though. That movie is a a total stink. That's like a movie that like thinks it's a Charlie Kaufman movie, but is totally. Like, so much more oh my god! <gasps> I never thought of it that way. Yes. Um. Yeah, I the Sam Levinson bit. Okay, did did you have this feeling while watching the movie of I I could almost I'm almost 90% sure the Sam Levinson stuff that's added is all the like party sequences because there's yeah. a way there's so many party scenes in this movie and I mean a Adrian Line just to kind of dip back into that a bit. I mean, he's from this I think of him in this sort of like generation of directors like the scott brothers ridley and tony or um joel schumacher kind of the, these filmmakers that come from like either an art school world or an advertising world and putting these big bold flashy slick sexy aesthetics into mainstream hollywood movies and so with big actors yes and so this movie like looks incredible in a lot of places and all these party scenes like look lavish and and wonderful and you know just have like <laughs> the way that like they're lit and all of the like where exactly like the food is and the drinks and like there's even it's like the a world's big... weirdest ikea like <laughs> yes <stage. laughs> exactly there's there's like th props and like positioning of things in the room that like when you stop and think about it like don't make sense like the my favorite example of this ever in a movie is the like tony scott having the the lamp in true romance that just like goes down over 
Gary Oldman's coffee table. And so Gary Oldman can just like sit there on the couch and like fling it at people. But if you had a lamp like that in your room, like you just walk into it. That's like a really stupid idea. You would never have that, but it looks cool in a movie and it fits with the aesthetic. Um, But it is just funny, like for as lavish and kind of like cinematic as a lot of the party scenes look, I just kept thinking it it does feel like the euphoria party scenes and that it's just this like random collection of people where you're like do all of you really hang out and yeah how is <laughs> how is how is Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas at the same party as Lilrel Howry Tracy Letts Dash Mihawk and like who else is in this oh and Jacob Alordi yeah who also was from Euphoria Yes, who, to be fair, is one of the men Ana de Armas is dragging around. So he he doesn't necessarily just, like, show up there. But it is, like, a very strange collection of people in which the whole time I kept thinking, like, how do all these people know each other? Is there it's an like invite they're list? As, they're in their 30s. They're drunk as shit. Is this just a high. Gatsby thing where people just show Literally. up? <laughs> like, yeah, it, and it's like... They're doing all the things that, like, the teenager... It's not, like, a, a very, like, stern adult cocktail party. Like, it's not, like, um, no. you know, the key party sequence in, like, the ice storm that's this very, like, waspy adult Christmas yeah. party um, that's, like, but trying that to be a little sense. sexy at the end. Yes, that would make total sense. This is, like, a raucous, like, high school party that you would imagine on Euphoria where people are, like... You know, Ana de Armas is getting up on a table and like breaking it down, and people are doing like wheelbarrow races in the back while they chug bourbon and stuff. And, and, and then they all get in the pool drunk as shit, which totally is not, it's totally, you know, not going to fucking end in you guys drowning. But then also at the end of it, it's like, oh no, it's raining. Let's go make cookies. So a murder. <laughs> like, I don't under, I just don't really get where anything kind of comes together in this and it is like, where are your kids what yeah what, that who, was my who's throwing they, this every weekend they spend more money on babysitters in this movie than anything else like there's a there's a whole sequence where he's like why did you wire this guy three thousand dollars and i'm like really because you just paid your babysitter like four hundred dollars for like one night and of like the 10 parties that you go to in this movie like maybe money is not something y'all need to necessarily worry about here like i don't know it's just a, it's such a weird world it none of it really makes sense it feels very uncanny yes of like do y'all live like this is this is like a do, like i've lived in louisiana before and i do not remember it being this weird like well, and I, I just kept thinking, too, of, like, so is is Affleck throwing these every weekend as, like, a no, weird Gatsby thing? Cause, I don't cause think the, it's his house. Well, because the other weird thing of this movie is the entire Affleck character, who we find out at one moment is, like, was a computer programmer and built computer chips for drones. And then there's, like, a whole weird interlude where, like, Affleck and Tracy Letts are discussing the politics of drone warfare. Yeah. and then and, but he so he's retired because he's made all this money off of building those chips and so like theoretically he's super super rich and just has all these like weird hobbies like i guess i guess snails riding, riding your mountain bike around town isn't weird but yes he he collects snails which is like a weird detail that i kept thinking like this is gonna come 
back around to, to be like, something. Yeah, like there's the bit where like they're having the dinner with one with Anna Darmus's like boyfriend of the week. I forget which which one of that the was Finn Whitrock. Is. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. And they talk about like eating snails and Affleck like makes some offhanded comment about like you have to take out a specific gland otherwise they're poisonous and I kept thinking oh well that's how this will come out around again is like he will like cook the snails for one of her no. boyfriends or him but no the, 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 the snails is just like a weird character detail and I mean you get like beautiful shots of like uh, the snail because it's an Adrian line movie of like the snails crawling up his hand and like light going through the snails and stuff. But like, it just ends up being this weird character detail I'm that like, doesn't make sense. And he's also into scrapbooking, but the scrapbooks look kind of bad. That's that's he's just into so many weird hobbies and it feels like they pulled a bunch of random stuff out of a hat. And by the end of the movie, not understanding like this whole social dynamic that all of these this movie scenes are built on not understanding the why the Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas characters are putting up with each other but also not understanding like what's the deal with the Ben Affleck character and why does he have all these weird hobbies also um he threatens a lot of fucking people in this movie i mean a lot of people he is talking to half of these people like he's going to kill them and it's one of those things where you're like oh okay i guess like you know that's gonna like come back to bite him in the right. end and one or like, two times would be some like some kind of fun foreshadowing like the conversation like, he has with the first boyfriend mean to some of these people yes. and it's like again you put yourself in this situation. I don't know why you're coming after these dudes like they wronged you. Bitch, it is absolutely... I don't know. It's just one of the... I just never understood the... Uh, I never understood the the dynamic that he had with the boyfriends or why it was... I just didn't understand a lot of this. I didn't understand. And it never is expounded upon. It's not something that you're going to find on repeat viewings. It's just like, it's just weird, unresolved things where it's like, I don't understand the dynamic of any of this. Yeah. It's like one of a kind of movie complaint that I don't typically care for is a like, why did this character make this decision like like why did this character not make the like super obvious like i thought about this for three minutes and came to the better conclusion of like what they should have done but this is a movie of like when we're saying the behavior doesn't make sense it's just sort of like so strange and outlandish and like not understanding the dynamics people not behaving like people and the whole movie kind of falls apart because a movie like this even though it can go to some ridiculous scenarios like we mentioned it's 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 kind of a a hallmark of the genre you need to to buy the interactions with people to be the reasoning to get you through those more ridiculous bits yeah if we're going if we're going off of this like oh this is about the human psyche or how far someone can go well y'all aren't y'all aren't saying anything like you're no. not there's nothing to be said here and it's just kind of like there's this idea of like this is what happens when someone's pushed to the edge or when someone is like really distrustful of the person they're with and it's like okay cool when are we going to get to that when are we going to get yes. to anything resembling humanity here because it's a little 
Like, it's just a little weird. And I fa- and what's weird is that I sound like I'm absolutely destroying this movie, but on one hand, like, I still had a weird amount of fun with it because it's so campy and so, like, not of Earth. <laughs> it, 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 it can fit into a category of pour your pour yourself a couple drinks and just have invite some friends over and have a a hoot with it yeah um i i don't i wanted a bit more over the top hilarity with it of like i i wanted this to be a we're really really like i don't know some I wanted this to go to to like really really crazy places. I think like this. It kind this... of hits that middle ground of like. Yes. I, I don't. I don't know if this is um. I don't know if this is intentional, and that's a little bit like. That's a little bit tough to like call upon of right. like, huh? Well, that's fun. Did y'all mean to do that, or am I just like? Am I just reading into this wrong? But then you're like, mm, actually, like I. I get what maybe they were going for, but then by the third act, you're like, okay, I don't, I actually don't know if I get what you're going for. I think you've, I think I'm, I'm lost here. Well, do you have any last, uh, deep, deep water thoughts? Um, cause I did want to, Tracy Letts is on another fucking level here. He's, he's doing, he's, he's, uh, watching what Dayarmus is doing and is like, I can, I can go ridiculous as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's that sort of like, um, it's that sort of acting where like an actor is with himself and narrating the film as it happens of like, yeah, I got you. Oh, oh yeah. This, this just happened. And it's like, why are you talking to yourself, dude? And also like, another character that totally doesn't make sense. Cause he really is an a-hole to everyone, but also like keeps getting invited to everything, which is why I was like, do people just show up for these like group activities? Is this a neighborhood? Like what's going on? Yeah. They're all pretty terrible they all are kind of mean to each other and just there's just nothing in this that feels remotely human and that's the and that's what something like even something like gone girl where it's like it's so over the top and like going to such lengths of like of storytelling where you're like oh wow that's that's a little wild. There still is that like level of humanity in these characters to where you can both, you can kind of understand both sides where it's like, she's mm-hmm. fucking crazy, but also he's a fucking asshole. So I get that. Like I would probably do the same thing. And it's it, it, there. It's given that. And in this, it's not necessarily given the same. Um, it's not given the same traction. And I also think this movie really is trying to do that because I feel like it has a similar ending to something like Gone Girl where it's like, there's not really a full conclusion. It's just kind of like, oh, you're left with this like feeling of, oh, what, like, what's going to happen? What's, what's going on here? And while in Gone Girl, I think that really makes sense where it gives you that like that feeling. And this, you're just like, and I guess it was directed by Adrian Line. Okay, right. cool. Well, there we go. And the daughter is singing during the credits. Awesome. Lovely. Gone, Gone Girl gets to sort of end on that slightly satirical note of is is the whole idea of marriage like a fallacy and yeah. keep a broken marriage alive by basically 
acting as the better version of yourself and like the whole thing is like a facade and a performance that um gone girl ends at which is is really smart and this movie i agree with you kind of tries to find something like that or tries to find something like i mean i i think the ending to unfaithful is pretty bad but like tries to go for an ending like that that's a little bit more like the secrets you hide to keep a marriage alive but mm-hmm. you never it does you don't totally buy any of it here and it just sort of feels like a whiff yeah i i agree where it's just sort of like i get what was going for here i can appreciate it kind of as a camp classic but i know in i know in y'all's heart of hearts here that um that's that's not what was what was the goal here and that can sometimes like you can find sort of a a beauty in that but it's gonna take a little while yeah well let's maybe pivot to to something brighter you've been watching a lot of south by southwest movies so i just kind of wanted to before you go get some of your thoughts on what you've seen so far by in south by southwest and i got a chance to see uh x which premiered at yeah, south by southwest off. um I so hate- i figured i'd talk about that a little bit um because that's also coming out this weekend I'm not going to tell you anything like plot wise about it. I just want to I'm just get mad. you extra excited. Okay, so here's the thing. It actually is, has to do with my conversation. So I don't want to sound super ungrateful here. I love South by Southwest. I love getting to cover it every year virtually. There is something going on this year where studios kind of at the last second pulled a lot of their virtual offerings mm-hmm. and left those who are covering virtual with a lot less choices. Actually, pretty much my entire. Uh, assignment sheet got reassigned because they just weren't available and i it was it happened so last minute for a lot of these titles that um you couldn't put together a trip to to austin in that amount of time you know to go see these movies so unfortunately with movies like x and bodies 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 and the lost city and unbearable weight of massive talent and like uh watcher which is weird because it's going to streaming anyway so i don't really know why they are holding that or uh apollo 10 and a half like these these the bigger titles of the festival that you're seeing everyone talk about if you're not there you're not getting to see it which on one hand sure fuck it i get it you need to go to a festival to watch what's at a festival but don't offer a virtual option if that's not the case that being said i have seen some good movies um the difference here is I haven't loved any movies this year in the same way that I loved movies last year when I Mm. actually had the virtual choices going on. Um, When it comes to what I've seen so far, I would say the best one I've, I've seen so far is a film called to Leslie, which is a, um, a drama with a South by Southwest queen, Andrea Riceborough, who is in a lot of South by Southwest movies every year. Um, she's genuinely one of the most underrated actresses of her generation. I want her to get her flowers, even though getting, getting one's flowers in this day and age means getting cast in a Marvel movie. And I want her far and away from that. So maybe it's fine just keeping her at a South by Southwest distance, but, um, it is, it can be a bit, um, it can be a bit conventional, a bit kind of like, I've seen this before in a in the sense of it's a film about a woman overcoming like alcohol addiction and the 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 influences she had on her family with that but andrea riceborough so good in it that i cannot argue with that at all um another good one i saw uh is called jethica 
It's a it's like a seventy minute micro budget little thriller that uh kind of explores what it's like when kind of explores the uh, a quirky look at the afterlife after um one character's dead stalker just comes back and just starts stalking them again and they don't know why and they have to figure out kind of the the logistics of how ghosts work it's very charming despite the fact that it sounds really dark and then the last movie i saw that i would say that i i quite liked is an australian thriller called sissy it's a it's a it's a revenge thriller about getting revenge on the people who bullied you in high school. And on one hand, everyone in this movie is awful, but on the other hand, it's so violent and gory and kind of terrible that like you kind of root for that to happen to everyone and it knows that. It's not one of those movies where it's trying to convince you to root for someone. It it genuinely is just a bloodbath and it's super fun. There have been other movies I haven't liked, and I'm not going to talk about them because I think that's rude and uh, not really worth worth the time. But uh, no, we should but, point people towards towards good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Be positive. I will say one movie I saw that I didn't love. It's called Soft and Quiet. I didn't love it. I know some people have. It is going to be a movie that when it gets released, people are going to fucking talk about it a lot. Um, oh, it is. So it's a film. Uh, it's a one take film. I don't know if it's actually shot in one take, but it's the style of one take. Mm-hmm. And it follows um, it follows this woman who runs um, like an alt-white or alt-right white supremacist like ladies group in her town. And their like rage and uh, and their like strange little first meeting uh, begins to go awry as they kind of let their um, baser instincts overcome them. Um, with like people in town and such and it was picked up it's been picked up by blumhouse i don't know who the actual distributor is gonna be but blumhouse has put his name on it and it is a movie that sometimes feels a little unnecessarily cruel but also i totally get like the first half is really smart and really stomach churning and the second half is stomach churning in a way that i felt like kind of didn't have as much to say um but is inherently terrifying because it does cover this kind of side of America that I think we, as people who are not um, violent white supremacists, would like to think is not as big of an issue as it is. But these are teachers and um, people you interact with every day that get together and do these really horrible things. And um, it's it's kind of a shocking movie, and it's one that I think maybe it's worth seeing but i just wish it kind of had gotten some some of it together a little bit more that's going to be the only one i talk about that i didn't like because um that one's just one that i think is one that's going to be talked about much later on down the line but uh is is a shocking and uncomfortable and sometimes a bit unfulfilling film but one that i ain't seen a movie talk as explicitly or as um or is just kind of uncomfortably about the issues of like white supremacy as this one has. Well, speaking of grotesqueness, um, I think, I think you're going to enjoy X, which for those who don't know is the new horror movie from Ty West. Do you, do you maybe want to give like the listeners a little bit of like a, a mini Wikipedia of just who Ty West, uh, Ty West. is in yeah. as, in horror because I yeah. I mean he 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 is kind of in that kind of like a uh, 
indie horror kind of like mumble, mumble horror mumble grouping horror. um i've only seen one of his feature movies which mm-hmm. is um house of the devil from 2009 which great film um is is kind of a fun throwback to kind of like 70s thrillers like kind I, of yeah i would say panic. even like 80s and then this yeah. new one is more 70s, 70s exploitation yeah. house um, of the devil definitely is but big satanic panic yes like era um so yeah um ty west uh is an actor has worked really heavily when the kind of like late 2000s um it's called Mumblecore. it was a a, a go well a go off of Mumblecore, which was you know obviously pioneered really heavily by um like the duplass brothers and and joe swanberg those really low budget uh talk heavy indie films where everyone looks like they hang out at like bars that only serve like the like weirdest of yeah like the weirdest of uh indie beers like they all live in fucking austin like the fact that it's all premiering at south by southwest doesn't make any like is not surprising at all but um he's made some some pretty good movies honestly and very underrated ones obviously house of the devil um very fun one um that uh also, uh, watching it now, I watched it a couple years ago. I, it's been a couple years, but it was after Lady Bird, and it's very strange seeing Greta Gerwig in such yes. a very small <laughs> role in that movie. Um, but she shows up. Um, then there's The Innkeepers, which is probably my favorite of Ty West's films. Um, it is uh, just like a haunted hotel movie that unlike a lot of his other works which is re- which are really gruesome and really um in your face when it comes to the gore aspect of it this one really throws it back to a quieter quite almost i would almost say a tender like horror film where you get these relationships between the three characters and the relationship they have to the haunted estate itself as this hotel closes after being open for so long and these two people who have worked there for years kind of close it up for good um it's very creepy and it's very um like it's just kind of shiver inducing type of stuff but it's very stylish as well and 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 quite sad in the end um, and then he did a film called um, The Sacrament, which is a found footage horror film that mm, um, mm-hmm. plays directly into the... Um, Still like Jonestown one, Yes, it is a play pretty much directly on Jonestown. Um, very much so probably his most like indie-feeling movie, but um, I really quite enjoy it. It's, it's fun. It's one of the better... Um, it's one of the better found footage movies out there. And I think a lot of people don't think about it very much just because it was such a small release. Um, but just fun. It is very much so. I mean, obviously super Jonestowny, but is a fictional retelling of it. So it can definitely lean into the horror aspect of it a lot more, which is um, really quite fun. Uh, and then his last film he did was a Western, actually, called In a Valley of Violence with uh, Ethan Hawke and, and uh, John Travolta, which I did not see uh so i can't really say much on that but x is um obviously the his new film uh first one at uh a24 and this is a like very very heavy uh heavy riff off of texas chainsaw massacre but also um a look into kind of like the the porn revolution of the 70s with like the linda lovelace and kind of deep throat era of uh of adult film 
and kind of combines them together. Haven't seen it, but uh, I know you have. I've heard it's I've heard it's fabulous. It premiered at South by Southwest. A24 would not let me watch it from my home, so that's fun. Um, but uh, at South by Southwest, it was it was announced that it's a it's a the start of a of a new trilogy. Yes, of, I I heard that there is like actually like a prequel that's already already made, made or, already um, shot done. It's a prequel with a Mia Goth's character called Pearl, and uh, and yeah, and uh, I'll I'll say I think I think you'll really like it. I think what I texted you and and a group that we're in is that it is it is the movie you want. Um, I think unlike. You know, A twenty four knows how to sell a movie like this. Um, they're, they're really good at first at this point. Yeah, b- um, and and I would say unlike some horror movies that they they market, this is this is pretty much what you're getting from the marketing. Not to say that that's its own badge of honor, but you know, there is the hilarious thing that happens with A twenty four horror movies sometimes, where they market something as one thing, and it's maybe a little bit more austere and um unconventional. This is. I would say it 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 is it is a fun nasty very very pulpy throwback to like 70s exploitation movies um whether it be something like Deep Throat or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean the movie that I thought of immediately after walking out was Grindhouse the like Quentin Tarantino oh, Robert Rodriguez I love like Grindhouse it, it is it is in that vibe of just a loving homage to obscene trash um yeah. and I say that as a compliment and uh you know just without spoiling any things it 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 you know it indulges in all of the kind of over the top sex and violence that those movies did in in the 70s and I I I'm just like always so won over by a movie that is willing just to embrace itself as like pulpy extreme trash basically. I mean yeah. I keep I keep saying trash over and over again, but you know, it this is an exploitation movie that knows it's an exploitation movie and that i think offers a certain amount of of thrills and fun it's not a movie that is trying to be a a elevated version on a, a 70s exploitation movie or something like that like no it is it is one of those through and through um i had a fun time watching it as much as i felt like i needed to take a shower at the end and the audience i saw it with was like really getting into it and screaming and hooting and hollering and laughing. Um, so I, I think if you are down for this kind of movie, I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, though, if this movie is not your cup of tea, I would, I, I don't know why you would bother seeing it's it. Pretty but... easy, it's pretty easy to tell from the get whether right. or not this is your type of movie. Right. So I, that's, the, I would say instead of, um, you know, firing up deep water at home this weekend, I would, uh, you know, if you want kind of, fun trashiness just go uh just go watch x in a movie theater yeah. this weekend um, i'm seeing it literally like the second i get off work on friday i'm not even leaving work because we're showing it at the theater i work at i'm literally getting off my shift and going upstairs to the theater to, to watch it i'm i'm so excited um 
I, yeah, I mean, this cast speaks to me very heavily. I love Mia Goth. I love Brittany Snow. I fucking love Jenna Ortega, who is like having a year right now. I yeah, mean, truly a big kind of new scream queen on the on the block. Her and Mia Goth both, but Mia Goth definitely uh represents kind of a different a different sort of scream queen, I would say uh in something more like suspiria or cure for wellness something a little bit weirder but jenna ortega coming off of like scream and uh studio 666 and the fallout which isn't a slasher movie it's a very very serious drama but kind of showing she has that like that uh i guess range i just love her so i'm i'm super excited about this and i and i expected no different honestly from everything everyone's saying about it i'm just like if it was anything different if it tried to be anything different it wouldn't have been as successful and honestly i knew from the i knew from the get when i saw ty west movie about a massacre on a on a porn set i was like that's you don't have to do much more than that this this movie we kind of tempted teased at it um just based off of the trailers a few weeks ago when we did our texas chainsaw episode but like this is this is a better even though there's no chainsaws this is a a more better texas chainsaw better at uh taking the baton and carrying on the legacy of texas chainsaw massacre than the new texas chainsaw massacre movie that came out this year was my first but the first review i saw of this movie out of south by southwest someone called it the uh, it was Texas uh, T E double X or triple X. Yep. <laughs> Texas saw massacre. And I was like, sold. There we go. I knew it was that I knew it was going to be that, but I needed some confirmation. And now that I know I'm so stoked. Well, Hunter, thank you for, again for, for stopping by this week. Uh, of course. Um, coming up next week on the latest, we're going to be kind of playing a little bit of catch up. Uh, Bailey Joe Josie is going to stop by again, and we're going to discuss the new Pixar movie, Turning Red, um, which is uh, it's pretty funny. It's I've pretty funny. It I haven't watched it yet. I, I haven't watched a Pixar movie since Inside Out, but like it's good. <laughs> I've heard it's I've heard it's quite good. If only Disney wasn't trying to actively kill Pixar. Yeah, that's that's a shame that now just like every Pixar movie is just going to go straight to Disney Plus. I love that the ending of them are all optimized for IMAX. Yes, and, you know, the controversy that came out recently with stuff they won't let Pixar put in movies, but that's a different conversation. Maybe that's we'll a get Disney into conversation, it next week. Not a, that's yeah. not, not a Pixar conversation. No, so no, definitely not. That's fair enough. We'll, we'll give Pixar the benefit of the doubt there, but um, given the opportunity, I would read Disney down. Yes, but. and and then then in the coming weeks we'll catch up on more South by Southwest stuff that's coming out, like the Lost City, and mm-hmm. um, which I'm seeing next week, as well as uh, everything everywhere all the time. Yeah, is that what it's called? Yeah, I wasn't didn't didn't get to see that one either. I hear it's really good. I've heard so, it's fabulous. We'll the see. only two left at South by Southwest I have to see are I'm seeing Master tonight. Mm-hmm which is coming out this weekend, the um, film out of Sundance with Regina Hall. Um, and then I'm also seeing um, Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Oh. Coming in in June on Apple TV, which was also out of Sundance. So of all of the South by Southwest exclusive movies, I've seen them all now, but I have some, some last minute Sundance ones to see too.